The Truth News Network. Prices out of control, inflation rising, industries screaming out for materials, parts, qualified workers. How is it that Hollywood isn't feeling this? How is it the media aren't scrambling? Questions worth answering, but where do you get those answers? You get them here. TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Let me tell you who else is scrambling, Pete Moss. Maybe not Hollywood, maybe not the big media, but certainly most Americans are feeling the pinch. And it's it's really becoming an injection of some horrible diseases. It's not just a pinch any longer. Did you hear the latest about the inflation numbers? Rose to the highest level in nearly 40 years in December, underscoring the high and rising inflation that has been the hallmark of the first year of our president, Joe Biden. Labor Department said the CPI, Consumer Price Index, that's the number that we use to track what consumers pay for goods and services, rose by 7% from December a year ago. That was the fastest 12-month pace since 1982, the seventh straight month of inflation above 5%. In November, it was up 6.9%. So not only does inflation rate keep rising, it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. Now, how does this directly impact you? Well, I don't know how much you interact in your community, how many stores you go to, how many times you buy gasoline, how many times you go to the grocery store. It's across the board, folks. You can't fly at the same rates that you used to could, even if they're letting you fly now. It's all more expensive. Travel, rent cars are through the roof. Renting a U-Haul trailer to move with, if you live in the state of California, you better try to book one 90 days in advance because there's an extreme shortage, everybody bailing from California. And of course, you're going to pay out the wazoo for even moving charges. Nothing is getting less costly. It's all going up. Now, what does that mean? It's in your wallet. You may not experience it in a large scale. If you just look at the numbers that they give us, as bad as they sound, you're going to be prone to think, well, you know, It's going to impact me some. I know I'm going to pay a little more for meat and vegetables and staple goods at the grocery store. But what's even worse than that, folks, is you don't even know if you're going to have any to buy when you get to the store. There's still huge shortages. And no matter what Joe Biden says from the microphone, it's getting worse. It's not getting better. Why? In part, large part, because of inflation. And in large part because of his manipulation of markets. And I don't even think he knows he does. I don't think he understands what feeds inflation. I don't. I certainly don't believe he could possibly have his arms around every factor that goes into the cost that we all pay for everything. Why is that? I doubt he's written a check in the last 50 years. Somebody's always taking care of those things for him. And I'm not demeaning demeaning that at all. I'm saying somebody that sits in the most powerful seat in government on the planet should have an idea about what um, you and I are experiencing, don't you think? 
Well, there's a lot that we've got to get to today. You're not going to, don't you dare miss the segment of the show where we bring you the back and forth between Dr. Anthony Fauci and Kentucky Senator Rand Paul yesterday in a uh, Senate committee hearing. It's incomparable. And if you ever had any questions about who Rand Paul and who Dr. Fauci really are, you want to make sure you stick around for that. That's coming up. As a matter of fact, um, I think maybe we ought to just launch right into that today. You okay with that? Well, let me tell you what. I'll give you a little. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. We're first going to let you listen to the back and forth, the actual committee hearing, where these two guys, when it came to Rand Paul's turn to speak to uh, Anthony Fauci. They got into it, as they always do, but it got really vitriolic. And Fauci, here's what I want you to go into this for. Yeah, Rand Paul gets a little caustic when he gets Anthony Fauci in a microphone sworn to tell the truth situation. That's true. Rand Paul does. But I think many of us, if we had the same one-on-one opportunity, we might do the same thing. We may communicate it just a little bit softer than did Senator Paul. But he's looking for substance. He's not looking for fluff. And two years into this pandemic, we don't have the answers that we thought we were, according to Fauci's predictions, going to have a year and a half ago. So there's a reason why not just Rand Paul, all of our leaders, especially the ones in our federal government, they need to be reaching out and getting some answers, some truthful answers for you and I. And uh, Rand Paul's just simply trying to do that. So here, listen closely. It's about six or seven minutes long, but it's worth every second of it. Grab the popcorn early in the morning if you want to. You're going to hear this, and then you're going to hear a follow-up where Rand Paul, without the interruptions that come on in the Senate committee hearing, you're going to hear him explain exactly the content of what was going on, why, and what's at stake. First, here's Senator Paul and Fauci in a Senate chamber committee hearing. The last time we had a committee of the time before, he was accusing me of being responsible for the death of five, four to five million people, which is really irresponsible. And I say, why is he doing that? There are two reasons why that's really bad. The first is it distracts from what we're all trying to do here today is get our arms around the epidemic and the pandemic that we're dealing with, not something imaginary. Number two, what happens when he gets out and accuses me of things that are completely untrue is that all of a sudden that kindles the crazies out there and I have life that threats upon my life, harassment of my family, and my children with obscene phone calls because people are lying about me. Now, you know, I guess you could say, well, that's the way it goes, I can take the hit. Well, it it, it makes a difference because as some of you may know, just about three or four weeks ago on December 21st, a person was arrested who was on their way from Sacramento to Washington, D.C. at a speed stop in Iowa. And they asked, the police asked him where he was going, and he was going to Washington, D.C. to kill Dr. Fauci. And they found in his car an AR-15 
and multiple magazines of ammunition because he thinks that maybe I'm killing people. So I ask myself, why would Senator want to do this? So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says contribute here. You can do $5, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. So the you only have thing politically that, the only attacked thing your can, colleagues uh, and in a politically reprehensible the way thing that attacked their reputations. Okay, you won't we, defend it. No, you won't well, argue it. I'm You'll just simply turn around the attack. We're going to continue this hearing. Yeah. We have a number of questions. What you heard there was the actual very end of the back and forth between the pair. And the reason I didn't play the whole part of it was Rand Paul would begin asking specific questions of Dr. Fauci and he wouldn't answer them. He would launch into a personal attack at Rand Paul, and he's lying, he's lying, he's lying, he's lying. But Rand Paul never answered a single question asked by Senator Paul. So, a couple hours later, Rand Paul, he found a microphone where the moderator would listen and then would give input and ask even more questions on Fox News. Here's Rand Paul. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky joins me now, member of the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions oh, Committee. My. Senator Paul, good to see you today. Uh, thank you for thank being you. here. Um, so you heard Dr. Fauci. He, he said that your accusations against him have put his life in danger, and you accused... ...personal attack to say that I'm responsible for death threats on him would be equivalent to myself or Steve Scalise saying that the Bernie Sanders supporter that shot us, that it was Bernie Sanders' uh, responsibility. So you remember the shooting at the ball field. I was 10 feet from a young man who was shot. I was about 20 yards from Steve Scalise who was shot. Not one Republican came forward and said it was Bernie Sanders' fault because this was a supporter of his. And so Democrats say that, and Fauci is a Democrat partisan. When he says it, he's trying to deflect. Because what I was asking him about is this. He says that he is science, and that if you question him or oppose him, you're opposing science. But this kind of arrogance also led him and Dr. Collins to say they would take a takedown of three epidemiologists who started the Great Barrington Declaration. They're from Stanford, Oxford, and Harvard. They called them fringe. They orchestrated a takedown campaign in the lay media, not in the scientific journals, on the merits, but in the lay media. And so he didn't want to answer my question, so he accuses me of fomenting violence. But it's a misdirection because he doesn't want to accept that basically he has become a political animal, and that everything he does every day is to further his political agenda, not the science. You know, he's obviously under pressure, and I think that, you know, it has been politicized. There's sort of people who are pro-Fauci and people who are against Fauci. Um, but at one point, you did say to him, you are the person who is more responsible for the deaths in this country than anyone else. Do you think that's fair? Well, look at it this way. I believe that this virus originated from a lab that was engineered by the Chinese. We don't have 100% proof of that, but we have, I think the evidence leans 90-10, that this came from the lab. 
He funded the lab. He tried to obscure the idea that he was giving money to the lab. And then he steadfastly for two years said it wasn't gain of function, that they weren't taking viruses that don't exist in nature, creating them and creating viruses that are so dangerous that they could actually wipe out a portion of humanity. He continues to deny that. If this came from the lab, yes, he's culpable. So when you ask him to investigate it, he's not exactly disinterested. He has a conflict of interest because if it came from the lab, yes, he deserves some moral culpability. The virus ultimately came from Mother Nature, so Mother Nature deserves most of the blame. But if it also came out of a lab, then I think man has some to blame, and I think Fauci would be involved in this. He still deserves blame because he says he still trusts the Chinese, and he's not for any more regulations on gain of function. He just thinks it's jolly well and good to create these viruses. You know, if we're in charge in 2022, I promise you we get to the bottom of this, but we get to the bottom of this so we don't have this happen again. I think there should not only be prohibitions domestically, I would be for convening a, a, uh, an international treaty of civilized nations to say we shouldn't be doing this kind of research because of the threats it has to mankind. I mean, there is no doubt that Dr. Collins and Dr. Fauci waved everyone off of this whole idea of even looking at the lab. And that does raise questions. I've raised those questions with both of them over the course of the last year. Um, and I think it's very fair to ask why. Why did they wave everyone off of questions about the lab? And obviously he gets very prickly whenever uh, this, this topic is brought up. It, they're losing the faith of the American people. Do you trust the CDC to give you accurate information about COVID? Um, that number trust has gone down by three points. Do not trust has gone up by five points in the recent polling. And, you know, I'm struck when I listen to this hearing, um, Senator Paul and, and Dr. Paul, um, you know, I read these, these stories in the Wall Street Journal about studies from Denmark and studies from Ontario that show that the vaccinated might be more likely to contract Omicron. Then there's another one today that says, you know, slow the spread, speeding it might be safer, suggesting, uh, this is Dr. Ramaswamy, suggesting that if we work too hard to control Omicron, it might end up creating a super variant. And I feel like, you know, these questions that are being raised, I don't know if these things are accurate. Um, they're reported in the Wall Street Journal. You know, I feel like we're behind the curve. We're having a conversation about last version of COVID rather than what's going on right now. But the thing is, is see, Dr. Fauci doesn't want the debate. He wants to squelch debate because he is science. If you criticize him, you're criticizing science. So one of the big things in the committee hearing today was a lack of uh, testing. Well, shouldn't we ask the question who should be tested? Now, that question was finally asked, but that's coming from Fauci. Almost everything we've done has come from Fauci and Walensky and the, the powers that be. They want to test everybody. If one kid in kindergarten gets it, it's a non-deadly disease. They test everybody in the class and they send them home. Then they test all their relatives we should test people who are sick and people who are vulnerable. Fauci denies that 100 million people in our country have immunity, so he thinks that we're under-vaccinated. The truth of the matter is, over age 65, 95% of people in a country voluntarily took the vaccine. It's an overwhelming success. And there should be a debate. Should we let kids ultimately, um, you know, what, what happens in nature happens in nature when we protect the elderly? What's happening anyway, despite the vaccine, this is very transmissible and the vaccine's not stopping transmission. So should we subject all our kids to it? I think that's an honest question we should ask. It is an interesting question. Uh, and I would direct people towards that Wall Street Journal editorial so they can read it and see what they think. Dr. Paul, thank you. Uh, good thank to you. see you, Senator, as always. One, one thing I want to point out before we talk about the substance of what you just heard there was Martha McCallum at Fox News. She's not one of the pristine evening talk show versions. She's actually a news, maybe a little softer presentation 
of some things in the news, but she's brilliant about the way she handled that entire conversation. She did not get ugly. She didn't push back. She maybe didn't totally agree with some of the things Senator Paul was saying that were coming from his opinions, and she has more opinions, but she made it very clear. And this is the important thing we all need to understand. We're not hearing the facts. We're not getting the facts on COVID-19 and everything to do with it from the experts led by Dr. Anthony Fauci. Here's the latest. Guess what came out yesterday? The CDC is looking at recommending that Americans wear higher quality masks because of what? This Omicron surge. The agency is currently actively looking to update its recommendations for KN95, KN95, and N95 in light of Omicron. This is from the CDC official. However, as the higher quality masks have been known to be uncomfortable to wear for long periods of time, the CDC would say in new guidance that if a person can tolerate wearing a K95 or an N95 mask all day, you should. The agency is a little bit wary, he said, of recommending that people wear these N95 and KN95 mask at the beginning of the pandemic due to concerns that they would cause a shortage of those masks for healthcare workers per the outlet. And now they're saying, oh, you know, we're having problems. You got to be careful when you get these N95 and KN95 masks because there are a lot of counterfeits out there. I'll refer you back to two different articles we published here over the last year. I'm talking about months ago of laboratory control testing of every type of mask in the marketplace. 47 different tests, laboratory tests. I'm talking about the control ones where they bring in and actually test them on actual people. The 47 different lab reports we we posted and we told you about here were listed on the CDC website. One conclusion came universally from every one of these lab reports, 47 different independent separate, not just here in the U.S., but in Europe. The consensus finding was there is only one mask in production, period, any place on earth, that sometimes can be effective for stopping transmission of COVID-19, and that's the KN or N95 mask, and only within that group of masks, the ones that are totally sealed and the person wearing it is breathing in oxygen that comes from the outside, not from our environment, comes from a tank or an oxygen generator, which basically says, folks, masks don't work. And now the CDC is coming up with maybe a back-end excuse to get out of their guidance through these two, almost three years now, of how to handle COVID-19. So, what have you been doing? You've been masked to to the nth degree. Let me give you a personal example. I was, I was in getting tested and getting prepped for a medical procedure very recently. And in the process, it, it, it was day surgery, and they had five or six different people that I actually dealt with face-to-face 
before the doctor came in. I'm sitting in a chair wearing a mask. Every one of these people would stand six or eight feet back from me, and they're asking me questions they're filling out on forms that I later signed. They wore masks, too. I couldn't hear half of what they were saying. Not to be sexist, but every one of them were women, and their voices typically are a little bit lower than mine. Most people's voices (laughs) are lower than mine. When I say lower, I'm not talking about uh, the key. I'm talking about the projection of their voices. I can't tell you how many times I say, I'm sorry, would you repeat that? I know they felt like I was a stooge or an idiot. It comes from they had masks on. It's hard. It's changed our lives. Science, I mean real science, tells us kids are getting hurt the worst. We we did the stories day before yesterday about suicide among young adults and children and threats of suicide. It's gone through the roof. And it's because their mental health from being masked all the time is just creating deeper and deeper and more serious problems than we even actually know yet. And we're finding out every day. So let me ask you this. Do you think... Have you asked this question? Will COVID insanity ever end? So I'm going to answer my question for you right now. Unfortunately, now this is my opinion, that will have a chance of happening, but only when the next conservative moves into 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, it will go a long way in the midterms coming up this November if the Republicans assume control of at least the House of Representatives, if not both the House and the Senate, because policies are going to change. But you're still going to have a hardcore leftist Democrat in the White House. 2024, if if we haven't made the complete move in Congress back to the center, maybe 2024 we can do that, move it back to where it needs to be and replace somebody in the White House today that's going to be more realistic about things to do with COVID. Now, please don't take that statement as if it comes from a hardcore Republican or a hard right winger. I am not either. I'm a conservative, not a conservative in name only either. I'm an American who has spent the last 50 years paying close attention to political matters across the nation. I quit simply reading or listening or watching the news. I started way back in my life asking questions. It's funny that when you ask a lot of questions to a lot of people who supposedly know more than you, you always get a lot of different answers. But that's okay. If you ask a lot of questions, you'll get at least a bunch of answers. Then it became my job to investigate the evidence that supports or destroys the responses I receive. So here's my latest question I've been asking a lot of people. Many, by the way, are the so-called medical experts that control our lives entirely today. I don't think anybody can argue with that, at least regarding our health care. The question, what will it take to gain control of COVID-19 and all its various strains? Getting real answers to that is sometimes like pulling teeth. Still, the nation seems to be making fitful, some but fitful progress toward 
COVID sanity. Notice I didn't say, but the nation seems to be making fitful progress toward taking control of COVID-19 and its various strains. To be honest, I doubt there's some knight on a stallion set to ride into Washington with a satchel containing COVID's cure. (laughs) I'm pretty confident we're far away from that. But finally, finally it seems that many federal, state, and local leaders in politics and healthcare, they seem to be awakening to understand something's wrong that's going on here. So who might those leaders be? Well, back away. Don't get, don't get set to get angry. Just lighten up and listen to what I'm going to tell you. In New York, the new governor, Governor Hochul, and especially Mayor Adams in New York, they have so far refused to panic amid the Omicron wave as their teams are offering more good sense and better information to New Yorkers Glimmers of sanity are even showing in President Biden's orbit. Sadly, not him personally. And there's plenty of idiocy that remains, even on the Supreme Court. You remember Friday's hearing on Biden's vaccine mandate for most U.S. businesses brought some giant whoppers from those in the room from the left. For one, Justice Stephen Breyer pointed to 750 million new COVID cases yesterday when the U.S. population is only half that. (laughs) He also said hospitals are full almost to the point of maximum. Another big error, the overall inpatient population is not growing across the nation. And then Justice Sonia Sotomayor, meanwhile, claimed vaccination prevents transmission of the virus contradicting no less than Biden CDC chief Rochelle Walensky, who noted this summer that Delta rendered that untrue. And it looks like it's even worse with Omicron, though that variant has proved far milder. Not that Sotomayor has noticed, because she also said Friday that it's as deadly another colossal error. That rivals her wild claim the same day, that we have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before, in serious condition, and many on ventilators. By the way, the actual official number of children in hospitals for COVID-19 is 3,500, and only a handful are ventilated. Every one of those have massive comorbidities. Not that any of those facts have a thing to do with whether Biden's mandate is constitutional. It's not. It's not, did you hear me? It is not constitutional. And thankfully, other justices on Friday showed far more sense. Meanwhile, a pack of former Biden advisors on COVID are facing the fact that the coronavirus is going to be with us for a while. If not, maybe it'll be here forever. Albeit while posing a far less deadly threat, releasing a package of recommendations in the Journal of the American Medical Association under this headline, A National Strategy for the New Normal of Life with COVID. The specific ideas came from somebody I have zero respect for, Ezekiel Emanuel. He's the brother of Rahm Emanuel. That was, he was mayor of Chicago after he was uh, Barack Obama's chief of staff. 
Ezekiel is better named and known in circles, medical circles, as Dr. Death. And some of his other colleagues, they got together and their ideas range from the sound, allowing far more telemedicine and medical practice across state lines, to the absurd and stupid permanent vaccine passports for every American. Still, at least they're clear that zero COVID is a foolish and unattainable goal. The president himself now admits, quote, having COVID in the environment here and in the world is probably here to stay. That follows his belated recognition there is no federal solution to the virus. But leopards don't change their spots. <laughs> he still wants his vax mandate to go through, and the White House is reportedly looking at asking for more COVID relief money. Even the CDC has been showing some, very little, but some reason, reducing its recommendations for quarantine down to five days, even for kids. And the FDA reluctantly is okaying some of the new treatments. But both agencies remain primarily stuck in their old afraid-to-approve-anything ways. Delaying approval of anti-COVID innovations already in wide use around the world, many of them have been very successfully in use against viruses for years. I got a phone call just before we went on the air from that gentleman you've heard here on our show who's locked up in Colombia for promoting one of those treatments that has been in use in the United States and today every hospital, every doctor's office in your town or city is using it. Chlorine dioxide. He's in prison for doing that. And the White House, like not anything like Team Trump, is letting them get away with it. But New York City's change of leadership is proving a huge plus. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know Eric has got a few problems, but former Mayor Bill de Blasio, right before he left, he was actually pretty good at keeping schools open. But Eric Adams, the new mayor, is a true stalwart despite the Omicron panic among many teachers. And Adams' new school's chancellor, David Banks, he looks to have some good common sense, at least telling the New York Post this, A lot of time people talk about remote learning, but they talk about that from an adult perspective. When, if you listen to this from a student perspective, kids want to be in school. Meanwhile, New York's new governor has already delivered on her promise to get more detailed information from hospitals and to share it. That's what we haven't had. Real data real information, and the politicos in our lives don't want to share it with us. Friday, she revealed that half of the city hospitalizations with COVID, listen to this again, half of the city hospitalizations with COVID involve patients who tested positive after they were admitted for non-COVID reasons. The statewide number for New York is about 40%. That means just barely more than half actually had COVID before they were tested in the hospital. And that leads to a whole other story about the efficacy of the test that we are giving to everybody. We are told by several 
educated laboratory testing experts that as many as half of those tests test positive. False positive. False positive. Half of them. That means the rise in hospitalization is less cause for worry since it's a weak signal of greater actual danger. Plus, as Hoschel, the governor, has also noted, the soaring numbers of folks testing positive in this Obrincrom wave have led to far fewer hospitalizations and deaths. So because Omicron is much milder, the Gov even urged people not to use the ER to get tested unless their symptoms are severe. Now that makes, that makes sense to me. You don't worry about just what flu or cold virus has hit you, do you? If you're not really sick, you shouldn't have any great fear over Omicron either. Treat the symptoms. So if you go to quick care, don't demand a COVID test. Get them to treat you. And if you have, if you have the symptoms specifically of COVID-19, that's different. As new state health commissioner Mary Bassett in New York explained, cases seem to be leveling off as rapidly as, as they did in South Africa's Omicron wave. I think we can expect a difficult January but things should be much better by February, she said. She also offered comfort to children and their parents, noting the state still has just 211 kids hospitalized with COVID. Now that is up from 14 on December, but still a tiny total in a state with 3 million under 18s, and none are in the ICU. Many folks still clinging to COVID hysteria, especially among our sheltered elites. But after nearly two years, sound sense looks like it may finally be winning out. Maybe. Let's wrap this up. Did you notice the medical experts not mentioned in this diatribe? Fauci, Walensky was mentioned, but very, very little. All of the political purveyors of the Biden COVID mantra are certainly not qualified to weigh in on any of this, but they do. Joe Biden? Come on, man. (laughs) He's doing good to remember his last name. He certainly can't remember the names of his cabinet members. We know that for a fact. The insanity of COVID is best illustrated, however, not by Fauci, but by the fact that millions of leaders, other leaders in the nation, just fell in line and joined the COVID march to the hospital. And they all wore their mask the entirety of the trip, didn't they? What proves best that a top-bottom shuffling of the membership of the U.S. Congress is just how many members embraced the company line on all things covid And they just quickly joined Fauci, Biden, Walensky to prove to the nation and the world that they proudly joined our COVID death march. Folks, listen, it's the American people with the assistance of real scientists and doctors who rebuffed the mantra of the healthcare political bureaucracy that is to embrace the common sense suggestions of thousands of experts instead, real experts who have treated collectively millions of COVID patients around the world successfully. 
There's no need to point to them and their treatment measures. You've heard them all. If only in the context of Anthony Fauci et al. disputing every one of their successes with political elitist thuggery and minus any facts. So we're at a tipping point in this whole conversation. It's time to choose. It's time to demonstrably determine the proper and truthful path for treating those in your family and yourself. No different, folks, from any other thing you get in your life or your kids get in your life. Take the necessary precautions. Use reason and use facts. And maybe more importantly, it's time to not only push back against the COVID mafia and their egregious processes and mandates, but to take personal action to do the right thing. That's the big question. What's the right thing? And you'll ask that a hundred times today or more. Folks, don't look to someone for your answers. Garner the information that's out there. I know it's difficult and it's, it's time costly, but isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? What's, what's more important to you than the health, yours personally, and those of your family members? And to protect that, we all want to do that. We all must do that. There's some other big news that slipped out yesterday. Documents released by Project Veritas show that that gain-of-function research proposed by one agency, DARPA, that's the deep, dark I guess I'll call it an agency. It's very secret, DARPA, Agency of the United States Intelligence Committee. They're the ones that funded through Dr. Anthony Fauci's agency. And there was a proposal there that was rejected, that was sent to show that gain-of-function research proposed by Dr. Fauci was rejected by the military in 2018. And guess what? Four. Too risky. As a result, hashtag expose Fauci topped the list of Twitter's trending hashtags in the United States as of 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time today. Who at DARPA made the decision to bury the original report? They could have raised red flags to the Pentagon, the White House, or to Congress, which may have prevented this entire pandemic that has led to the deaths of whatever number you want to, five, six, seven, eight million worldwide, we don't know, and caused more pain and suffering to millions more. The documents labeled startling by Project Veritas reportedly come from the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. Project Veritas alleges they were hidden in a top-secret shared computer drive. Those docs appear to show that in January of 2018, DARPA was seeking to fund proposals that offered ways to prevent potential pathogenic threats to U.S. forces. That sounds reasonable, but here comes that name, EcoHealth Alliance. Boy, they come up all the time. They are little more than a uh, a um, Oh, what do you call it? Laundering 
institution for Anthony Fauci's money that he can't legally push out himself. So he involves Echo Health Alliance. He's been busted doing that at least 10 times during our pandemic. Well, Echo Health Alliance responded with a proposal to work with bat coronaviruses in China on a project it named Diffuse, according to those documents that Project Veritas got a hold of. A document from Marine Corps Major Joseph Murphy is a former DARPA fellow, appears to note that the proposal, which was rejected, by the way, was very similar to what was actually done by EcoHealth in China and suggests that the two are separate parts of one stream of research that was funded by you and me. That officer's multi-page report lays out his concerns over the research that took place. It connects the dots from what was rejected to what was actually done when funded from another pot of taxpayer dollars. A document released by Project Veritas, you can look at it on their website. That's Project Veritas, V-E-R-I-T-A-S. It's titled Rejection of Diffuse Project Proposal Call the idea gain-of-function research, which takes place when a virus that occurs naturally is made more lethal in a lab. It noted that one weakness of the eco-health proposal was that it does not mention or assess potential risk of -of gain-of-function research. The proposal hardly addresses or discusses ethical, legal, and social issues. It is clear that the proposed defused project led by Peter Daszak could have put local communities at risk by failing to consider the following issues. Gain of function, dual use research of concern, vaccine e-epitope coverage, regulatory requirements, ethical, legal, and social issues, and data usage. The bottom line was shared by a bunch of Twitter users. And this is one of those tweets from Representative Paul Gosar who's a dentist, by the way, he said, he tweeted this, jaw-dropping report just dropped by Project Veritas, never before seen military documents obtained by them about gain-of-function directly contradict Dr. Fauci testimony under oath, and there are a bunch of other ones. Last year, National Institutes of Health Principal Deputy Director Lawrence Tabak informed one leading House Republican lawmaker that the agency funded gain-of-function experiments on bat coronaviruses in China over a year of denials from the agency's leadership that that happened. Tabak said that its grantee, Echo Health Alliance, first notified of the NIH in August it conducted gain-of-function experiments with the Wuhan Institute of Virology between June of 2018 and May of 2019. Put the timeline together. (laughs) You get answers when you look at all the facts. Boy, we've got so much more here today. Thank you for joining us. Good news, we made it to midweek. Do you realize we're 12 days into the new year? Already 12 days of January. And we're putting a bow on that today. And you're doing it here with us at TNN Live. And I want to thank you for doing that. What do we have coming up? More information, and it's all stuff. I promise you, everything, every time we get into anything, I'll give you an example. 
We found out something new yesterday coming from a lab. You won't believe where it came from. That heat, high heat alone for less than one second on a COVID still stops it from being able to transmit and impact any other cells and recreate. Now, we found that. Wouldn't you think that would be something that uh, the CDC, and especially Dr. Anthony Fauci, would be interested in getting to the bottom of it if the one desire, the consuming desire, was to stop the coronavirus. And if you stop it from replicating itself, there's no better way than to stop it. You want to stop anything? Go to the source. That story and a a bunch more up next. Don't go away. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Don't forget, this show is not mine, it's yours. You want to weigh in, ask questions, give us your opinion, maybe point us in another direction, feel free. Give us a, give us a jingle. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Now about that high heat disarming thing, a new system shows the exposure of COVID to a very high temperature, even if applied for less than one second, is sufficient to neutralize the virus so that it can no longer infect any other human. Applying heat to neutralize the COVID-19 has been demonstrated before, but in the previous studies, researchers applied temperatures from 1 to 20 minutes. 
That length of time is not a practical solution, as applying heat for a long period of time is both difficult and very expensive. A, a professor at Aram Han in the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at Texas A&M, he and his team have now demonstrated heat treatment for less than one second completely inactivates the COVID-19 virus, providing a possible solution to mitigating the spread of COVID-19, particularly through long-range airborne transmission. The Metastar Corporation approached leadership and researchers from the College of Engineering at A&M in the spring of 2020 and wanted to collaborate and explore the possibility of this heat for a short time amount of time to kill COVID. Soon after, Han and his team built a system to investigate the feasibility of it. Here's how it works in short, and we'll move on. They heat one section of a stainless steel tube through which the researchers run the coronavirus-containing solution to a high temperature and then cooling the section immediately after. This setup shows the coronavirus running through the tube to be heated only for a very short period of time, less than a second. Through this rapid thermal process, the team found the virus was completely neutralized in a much shorter time than previously thought possible. They released their initial results within two months of proof of concept experiments. Fauci, nowhere to be found. CDC, nowhere to be found. FDA, nowhere to be found. It's sitting down in College Station, Texas, at Texas A&M. Meanwhile, the Prez... He's defended, no surprise to me, his administration's handling of the coronavirus. This was yesterday. Even as the United States reached a record number of cases and hospitalizations. I'm confident we're on the right track, he said, talking to reporters at the White House. The press pulled his mask down to his chin so that reporters could see him speak, but ultimately admitted it looked stupid and he took his mask off entirely. I didn't know we were supposed to be into the looks of this. We're supposed to wear a mask or not wear a mask. I get tired of seeing people, and it happens everywhere every day. They've got a mask on, but they put it down below their mouth. Now, how in the heck is that going to save or help them or anybody around them? The president does that some, too. He said he was concerned about the pandemic worldwide now but said he's pleased with the amount of federal help to states who were struggling with the virus. More than 145,000 people were in U.S. hospitals with COVID yesterday. That's coming from the Department of Health and Human Services, beating the previous pandemic peak that was set in January of last year. Cases of the virus have exploded, as John Hopkins University reports, More than 700,000 cases daily, roughly three times it was during the winter of last year. The president spoke to reporters about the battle with the virus as he left Washington to deliver a speech condemning the election security laws in Georgia. That's a story for another time. But the president patting himself on the back for the great job they're doing in D.C. We got it going on at our expense at our expense. That uh, Biden coronavirus vaccine or test mandate, 
the one that's being considered by the Supreme Court, it goes into effect today. Yeah, they haven't rendered their verdict yet. That develops and is applicable to more than 80 million workers amid uh, this Supreme Court battle. It could doom the rule and everybody looking in, pretty much everybody looking in, feels confident it's going to be busted. This month-long battle over the requirement, which was previously blocked by multiple federal courts, then reinstated, then stopped by OSHA. It's created confusion among employers about how to move forward. What the heck do you do? While Supreme Court justices are expressing skepticism about the rule on Friday, they did not block its implementation by Monday's deadline. As of Monday, businesses with 100 or more employees were required to have a database of their workers' vaccination status, post their company vaccine policy, provide paid leave to workers getting the vaccine, and require unvaxxed employees to wear a mask at work. OSHA, who who was tasked to enforce the rule, has said it won't issue penalties for noncompliance until February 9th. That's the deadline for these businesses to implement the weekly COVID-19 testing alternative for unvaccinated workers. OSHA has been very careful to say that as long as employers are in good faith moving towards compliance, that they're not going to issue any citation until February 9th. That comes from a spokesperson for OSHA's law firm. They brought in to handle all of this. I I really doubt this is going to be as big an issue as it has already been. Just imagine how many employees in these companies that are not supportive of getting a vaccination. They just left the job. They just left the job, and no wonder it's so difficult at this particular point to find people to fill those missing jobs. Five million available jobs missing. No employees out there willing to take the plunge and go back to work. They don't want to go to work for these companies not knowing if they're going to have a job in six months. Many of them have decent jobs right now that they're leaving or contemplating leaving because of the vaccine. So if they go to work for another company and then bam, you're going to lose your job again unless you get vaccinated. This Supreme Court case that's pending, and they're going to act quickly. We are told as quickly as February 1st and settle and resolve this. I really feel strongly they're going to kill the OSHA coming from the federal government, that OSHA rule on the private uh, mandate for employees. I really do. They're gonna. I, I believe they're going to. I'll be shocked if they don't. And the CDC is trying to look like they know what they're doing and ethical. They've shortened the Moderna booster waiting period now to five months. Now, what does that mean? Well, it, as and more Americans get booster doses, Amidst a surge of the Omicron variant, the CDC said it would make a change in its Moderna booster recommendation. They are adjusting for when people can get that booster shot, shortening the interval from six months to five months. Wow. Wow. Doesn't it make you feel warm and fuzzy? 
it may seem kind of trivial in this trivial in this whole conversation, but it's not because it's it shows a trend. It shows where they are in their thinking and what they do. Meanwhile, very quietly behind the scenes, Anthony Fauci, he leaked something. He didn't testify to it, but he leaked something. And so here's what he said yesterday to this congressional panel. He's looking ahead to the emergency of what he says are going to be other variants. The importance of developing a pan coronavirus vaccine, namely one that would be effective against all SARS-CoV-2 variants and ultimately against all coronaviruses, becomes even more apparent. We've made significant progress in that direction. We have identified antibodies that neutralize multiple different coronaviruses, he added. I don't know where he gets all this information or how he justifies spewing it out to the American people when what he says almost every time he cracks a microphone and says it is not true. Folks, we've never had this many cases of COVID every day. And yeah, it's from one of the variants, but they told us, remember what happened when we heard about this variant coming out last month, the Omicron variant in South Africa? We shut down everything. Why did we do that? Because people like Fauci warned the politicians, and the politicians, of course, he's the COVID god. They got up on their press boxes, on the roofs, and they shouted, megaphone, microphone, whatever, shut down, shut down, shut down. We've got it. We will close schools. We can't put people, and kids and people aren't getting sick, sick, sick with Omicron. There will be, in any disease, there will be people that will take it much harder. There are people dying from COVID-19, but they're not little kids on the most part. They're not our young people on the most part. They're not people under 50. They're not people under 60. But yet they, they take a wide breast and they treat everybody and expect everybody to act exactly the same. Listen to them. Don't do anything without us telling you should do it. Certainly don't believe what anybody that's not in our camp wants to tell you. Forget about the fact that hundreds of thousands of epidemiologists and virologists worldwide in private tests, in some cases public tests, have found that vaccinations, these vaccinations are not the cure-all. They are not the panacea. In fact, more and more doctors every day are saying, we got to be careful. There's more stuff in these vaccines than we know. There are more adverse effects that are happening that we could have ever expected. We need to pause and slow down and stop. That doesn't fit the company line. That doesn't fit the COVID-19 bureaucratic documentation of anything. So Fauci and company, they just diminish anything and everybody who weighs in and expresses their opinions based on facts. And here comes Fauci. Did you catch what this story is about? We've got to get universal coronavirus vaccines. We're talking about one vaccine that kills every COVID variant, every SARS-CoV-2 variant, every one of them. Universal vaccine. That will mean if this guy has his way, If you live anywhere in the United States, 
and even if you're an illegal immigrant. Just thought I'd throw that in there. At some point, according to him, you got to get vaccinated. Why? Why? Why the push? Why the so desperate push to get everybody vaccinated with these vaccines? We're not talking about um, the polio vaccine, mumps, diphtheria. We're not talking about all the egregious ones that were the first ones that were invented back in the 50s and 60s that really changed the lives and the death and the disease in America. We're not talking about that. This isn't the first time we've had a SARS vaccine out there. This isn't the first time we've had SARS-CoV-2, other versions to deal with. And you know what? None of the vaccines for any of that have ever been effective. I wonder why. It's because they're not traditional in the mode. They're certainly not being tested to make sure of their efficacy and safety before we're pushed out here. And now we're told, listen, folks, we're told the death count from COVID is probably going to be much higher, even higher than some of the hardliners the people that were being accused of, you're out there on Saturn. You have no ties to medicine at all to say those kinds of things. And then we find out every week or so that the death certificate reports that are received by the CDC, they were instructed nationwide to identify on death certificates that the death came from COVID-19, even if it didn't these cases where people go into the hospital for something else. And when they get to the hospital, of course, you know, when you check in, they're going to test you for COVID and they immediately say you're COVID. If you die when you're in their care, they're going to list the official cause of death per the CDC as COVID-19. Now we know those are happening, but we also know there's a lot that's not being told to us about people that are dying. We gave you some statistics that blew me away last week on the numbers of people that deaths have been totally unreported. Some of them not even reported or mentioned at all. How many? We don't know. But we know there are many, many more. And then the questions begin to come. Why? Why is this happening? Why are we not getting the information on everything? On everything. A big story comes out this morning. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to tell you, and it's directly about fraud in the Omicron COVID-19 variant and the information that's coming and has from the very beginning. Here we go. It's not about the stuff. It's about the information. It's about the way all this stuff, every bit of it that happens, the way they tell us about it. In the context in which we're told, the facts about it, and we make decisions based upon these things the experts tell us. Folks, it's not just about Omicron. It's about finance. It's about taxes. It's about everything in our American life. Very few things anymore seem to be politically motivated by what's best for us, and it's not changing. Join in the conversation. To find out how, see the homepage at truthnewsnet.org.
This is TNN. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bagel with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. In a world where truth is in short supply, you have an abundance of it right here. TNN, the Truth News Network. Let's get right to it. Ever since the car the SARS-CoV-2 Omicron variant emerged in December, seems like it was months ago. All the signs indicated that it was the mildest and the least lethal variant yet. Not a single death has been attributed to it in South Africa, for example, where they found it. Despite that, U.S. health authorities kept giving warnings as if Omicron were the worst threat yet. The WHO declared it a variant of concern. Countries around the world responded by reinstating lockdowns and all of their draconian measures we've all lived with. Then... December 20th, the death of a Houston, Texas man was labeled. Remember this? We had it here. An Omicron variant-related death. First one in the U.S., right? And Harris County Judge Lina Hidalgo announced that the Omicron variant of COVID-19 has arrived in full force, necessitating raising the county's COVID-19 threat level to level 2 orange. Within hours, the U.S. press widely reported the first death from the Omicron variant had occurred amid surging COVID cases. Senior contributor to Forbes, Bruce Lee, and MSNBC senior producer Kyle Griffin reported the death as a reinfection of an unvaccinated man who previously had COVID-19. Naturally, this case makes you wonder how much protection natural immunity will even offer against the Omicron variant, Lee wrote. Important note for the unvaxxed who believe in natural immunity. Griffin tweeted, there was only one problem. The man didn't die from Omicron. Did you hear me? He didn't die from Omicron. He died having tested positive for the Omicron variant. That's true. Journalist Dan Cohen confirmed this December 21st 
in a phone conversation with Martha Marquez, who works with the Harris County Public Health Department. Marquez confirmed the man died with COVID, not from it. Amazing the difference one simple word makes, isn't it? If the man had previously recovered from COVID-19, then one wonders whether it was a false positive. Huh. Omicron poses greatest threat to the COVID jabbed. And here's the skinny we all need to grab and get our minds around. Authorities wasted no time to use the fake Omicron death to scare the unvaccinated into what? Getting the jab. Again and again, we were told that the unvaccinated were at greatest risk for this new variant. But this too has turned out to be 180 degrees from the truth. Research from Denmark of all places. It shows that compared to the Delta variant, Omicron is far more likely to infect people who are fully vaccinated and also are boosted than those who are unvaccinated. The study looked at 12,000 Danish households during the month of December. In all, 2,225 people were identified as being infected with Omicron. During a seven-day follow-up, they also identified 6,400 secondary infections. Interestingly, Infection with Omicron was more likely to result in a secondary infection than is the Delta strain. And the COVID jabbed were far more likely to get the secondary infections. Here's what authors of the study said. The SAR was 31% and 21% in households with the Omicron and Delta, respectively. We found an increased transmission for unvaccinated individuals and a reduced transmission for booster vaccinated individuals compared to fully vaccinated individuals. Comparing households infected with Omicron to Delta, we found a 1.17 times higher SAR for unvaccinated, 2.61 higher for fully vaccinated, and 3.66 times higher for booster vaccinated individuals, demonstrating strong evidence of immune evasiveness of the Omicron. Our findings confirm the rapid spread of the Omicron primarily can be described as the immune evasiveness rather than an inherent increase in the basic transmissibility. I don't want to get in the weeds on any of this stuff today. I want to stop there and just tell you. It, it boils down to this. We don't know what we don't know. And we have people in our lives that are telling us they know, and we're supposed to take what they say they know and just make it something we know. It's not working out. We're getting sick, we're getting sicker, and we're dying. And then we're going to wrap up our uh, COVID-19 stuff with this. One more controversial experiment financed by Dr. Anthony Fauci. You're going to love this one. Female hormones were injected into the monkeys to study the effects on their immune system according to this institution, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That's Fauci's kingdom. 
at least a quarter of a million dollars was rewarded to the Scripps Research Institute last month. They focused on basic biomedical science research. The Washington Free Beacon reported on this two days ago. The stated goal to determine why, listen, transgender women have high rates of HIV. Transgender women, why they have high rates of HIV. Now I'm going to stop right there for another 10 or 15 seconds. Why does anybody get HIV? Why would transgender women be more likely than any other women to get HIV? I'm not going to dive into that. You figure that out yourself. Fauci, 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 Fauci has been harshly criticized because throughout his 36 years at the helm of the NIAD, Fauci has overseen rampant animal testing. This is according to a story by Patrick Hoff. He adds, it was revealed in November, Fauci's organization funded a study that infected beagles with the heartworm lava and euthanized them after experimentations. Hundreds of thousands of those beagles. He goes on to describe as part of another study, researchers infected beagles with mutated bacteria from ticks. Additionally, the the department purchased an average of 500 rhesus monkeys from a South Carolina island leased by Charles River Laboratories, which, by the way, Charles River Laboratories has a $27.5 million annual contract with Fauci's organization. They raise animals for Fauci. Dr. Catherine Rowe, a neuroscientist with the animal rights organization People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, strongly criticizes the torture of these animals. It's just bad science to suggest that dosing monkeys with feminizing medication makes them good stand-ins for human, like they're going to get HIV, right? She added, this study will not help to prevent or treat HIV and will not help transgender women. She also considers the money spent on these experiments to be woefully wasted just because apes cannot contract HIV. (laughs) More Fauciisms, folks. Ah, it just goes on and on and on and on. What have we missed so far today? It it seems like every day when we're 45 or so minutes away from the end of this show, but it seems like there's something or some things that we we miss because of lack of time. I'm just making sure that we don't have... uh, Just making sure we don't have some of those things. Uh, You know who Peter Ducey is. Peter Ducey is the thorn in the flesh for Jen Psaki in the White House press briefing room. His dad is Steve Ducey, longtime one of the co-hosts of Fox Morning. With uh, hey, he's been around for gosh four or five different crews. His son is he's kind of a more pointed version of his dad, Steve. Steve's one of those good old guys. If you do a morning show, you got you know that's first thing in the morning. You've 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 got to uh, 
you've got to be a little, um, you know, softer than you are when you're a reporter in the White House briefing news. Well, Ducey got into it, the Ducey the Younger, got into it with Jen Psaki about what the administration is telling us about this testing ramp up. I mean, we heard it all. 500 billion free, a million, half a billion, 500 million free tests. We're getting them out to the American people. We're going to make sure everybody knows where they stand. None of the tests are out. Middle of January now. So listen to Ducey and Saki go back and forth. The president talked about a winter of severe illness and death. At the rate you guys are going, these tests are not going to be available until spring. So will you admit that these free tests you guys promised are not going to be ready until after the Omicron surge? I think I gave an update earlier that we'll have to start to have tests out the door in the coming weeks very soon. And that is the hot topic buzz of the morning. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki getting slammed this morning for the country's lack of COVID testing ahead of what Biden called a, quote, winter of severe death and illness. Dagan, remember that quote, the winter of severe illness and death for the unvaccinated. Right. All talk, no walk. A lot of jab-jabbing out of his mouth and out of their mouths, but no actual action. I'll just read part of this tweet. Testing still isn't fixed. Testing still isn't fixed. Testing still isn't fixed. We don't, um, we are the richest country on earth. Testing still isn't fixed. Testing still isn't fixed. That's Ron Klain, the now White House Chief of Staff from back in the middle of 2020. So they knew it was a problem then and they didn't uh, fix it because, well, government sucks. Who's, who's there, who's around that can hold the Biden administration responsible for anything? I mean, Adam Schiff, remember his mantra all through the presidency of Donald Trump. He said it over and over again. It is the constitutional prerogative and the mandate from the Constitution to the United States Congress to hold any administration accountable. Why is our inflation not only here what it is, and it's horrible, why is it continuing to go up? Where's Congress in this conversation? Why haven't they listened to the experts? Joe Biden, by the way, is not an economical expert. The people that surround him, you heard her quote, Ron Klain, who says over and over and over again, the testing's not here, the testing's not working, it's not working, it's not working. He's the number two guy in the White House to the president, Joe Biden. Ron Klain is his chief of staff. They know what this president's putting out is not working. Where's Congress? I've said this multiple times, and I I think many of you will agree with me. It is time, and there is far, far more evidence than it's necessary to take this guy off the top of the heap. And I think, to be honest with you, The reason there hasn't been any I talk about Biden, except from a spattering of members, Republican members of the House of Representatives, the I talk is impeachment, is because who would replace him? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Former Senator, former Attorney General, former San Francisco federal prosecutor Kamala Harris in the White House, can you think any? possible way we could go downhill from Joe Biden? I think we might could under Harris. 
But if the Congress was doing their job, they would step in and stop all of this. They can stop the egregious numbers of executive orders that Joe Biden is changing our nation and has no authority, no constitutional authority whatsoever to do it. He changes laws. He's changed the federal immigration laws from top to bottom without any authority, and Congress is the only place, with the exception of every four years in a presidential election, the only place that he can be accountable. His own people are saying he needs to be accountable, and he's not. And the Democrats are just doubling and tripling and quadrupling down on this insanity, and it's 100% at the cost of you and me. The share of small business owners reporting that inflation is the biggest problem facing their business grew in December to its largest since 1981. 22% of small business owners reported inflation as their biggest problem. That's according to the National Federation of Independent Business. At the start of last year, Just 2% said inflation was the biggest problem. Small businesses unfortunately saw a disappointing December jobs report with staffing issues continuing to impact their ability to fully be productive. That's according to their chief economist, Dukelberg. Inflation is at the highest level since the 80s and is having an overwhelming impact on owners' ability to manage their businesses. Small businesses even worse. They remain pessimistic about the future, but slightly less so. Owners expecting better business conditions over the next six months. That increased by three points. The indicator is down, declined 23 points over the past six months. Wages are going up, which could mean for sticklier inflation than the Federal Reserve officials expect. A net 48% of owners reported raising compensation up four points from November and a 48-year record high reading. A net 32% plan to raise compensation in the next three months. So, folks, they're not, they're, they own their own businesses. They're not going to look at this and say, oh, we're just going to throw money at these people. They've got to balance everything in. Now, inflation doesn't sit in, a, in an office where it doesn't impact anybody else. It impacts everybody else. Everybody that these companies, small companies, big companies do business with, it impacts them. Everything, especially when you get into dollars and cents. So what happens when inflation grows? What happens when these worker shortage, when they grow? And these countries that produce goods and provide services, they've got to have people to work for them to continue what they do. If it takes Paying them more, so be it. But who pays that price? There's a trickle-down thing. We are told by economists, and it's played out over decades, this is a fact. The money that goes from business to employees, every dollar of that in the form of payroll, direct payroll or benefits, every dollar of that rolls over in their communities And when I'm saying their communities, I'm talking about everybody that they spend money with in their life. That rolls over five times, every single single dollar. And what does that mean, Dan? 
That means that when they pay these people more, yeah, those people have more money. But where does that money come from? It comes from those five levels of people that these people are doing business with. So these businesses are paying them more to provide the work that they do, that they're getting paid more for. But downline is at the very bottom of this is where does all that money come from? They have to raise the prices for the goods they produce and sell or the services that they provide. Who pays those prices? You and I. It's a vicious, never-ending cycle that is never good. Do you know the only people in this nation that love when there's inflation? And it hadn't kicked in yet, but it's about to. Interest rates go up. I mean, they really go up. Back in the 1970s, the late 70s, people that had a lot of money, they started, they got out of the stock market. They started dumping their money into banks, certificates of deposit, savings and loan institutions. Why? They were paying 12 and 13% interest for investment dollars. Who paid all that price? You did. Groceries went up. You couldn't hardly get a mortgage. Buying a house, people were paying 17, 18% interest. Now you can get a, a mortgage loan for 1 to 2%. It's not going to stay there. It's going to continue to climb. And if this all was from the top straightened out today, there's no way it's going to fix itself and be operational this year. I'm talking about 2022, folks. It won't work out this year. It's still rising. Inflation is rising precipitously. And it's going to continue for how long? We don't know. And I don't care what they say, they don't know. But it's got to begin by somebody doing something to stop this bleed that is so obvious to so many people what's causing it, what the source is all, and what needs to be done. And instead, Joe Biden doubles, triples, quadruples down on stupid. And you and I are paying the price. He did another stupid thing yesterday. He's donating approximately $308 million. It's called, it's couched as humanitarian aid. Humanitarian aid to Afghanistan. And will also contribute additional COVID vaccine doses. This was reported yesterday. National Security Council spokeswoman Emily Horn released a statement that the U.S. remains the single largest donor of humanitarian aid in Afghanistan. And the latest donation brings America aid for the impoverished nation and Afghan refugees in the region to nearly $782 million since the chaotic ending of the 20-year war. Now, when did that end, the ending of the 20-year war, September last year. After that, after we pulled out, after we left them with $82 billion of military equipment, hardware, and all kinds of things, including military planes and uh, jeeps and all kinds of stuff. Besides that, we've sent them, we've written checks to Afghanistan 
for $782 million more. The new humanitarian assistance by the U.S. Agency for International Development will directly flow through independent humanitarian organizations. I'm sure there's no waste, there's no corruption there, right? and help provide life-saving protection and shelter, essential health care, winterization assistance. In Afghanistan, they need winterization assistance. Oh, they've got to winterize those airplanes and helicopters and transport vehicles and tanks that we left over there for the hard, cold winter. Emergency food aid, water, sanitation, hygiene services. In response to the growing humanitarian needs that are exacerbated by COVID-19 and healthcare shortages, drought, malnutrition, and the winter season, Horn said. I thought it was all because of climate change. Meanwhile, the country will also be supplied through federal global vaccine sharing program, COVAX, with 1 million COVID-19 vaccine doses, bringing the total of U.S. contributed vaccines to 4.3 million doses. Makes you feel warm and funny. Supposed to be warm and fuzzy, but it doesn't make me feel funny. It makes me extremely nauseated. And then we get into the education stuff. This one's one that really gets my goat. I'm actively involved in education. Heavily involved in a private, a Christian private school, Evangel Christian Academy. All six of my grandkids has either gone and graduated, two of them have, got four left. And I look around at the cities in which we live. Louisiana's always had a good public education system. All three of our kids, each one of them, went to public schools, graduated, got great educations, went to state university, good education. But it's not the same as it was 25, 30 years ago. It's changed dramatically. Public education is dying. And in the middle of this, newly surfaced emails suggest that the Department of Education might have played a more important role than previously thought in the creation of that controversial letter, you know, the one that called parents, compared concerned parents to domestic terrorists. In a letter sent to the president on September 29th last year, the NSBA, which is the National School Board Association, characterized disruptions at school board meetings as a form of domestic terrorism and hate crime. The organization also urged the feds to invoke counterterrorism laws to quell angry mobs of parents seeking to hold school officials accountable for teaching Marxist critical race theory and for imposing COVID-19 restrictions like mask mandates on their kids. Five days later, the, uh, the Department of Justice has never moved this fast, but five days later, Attorney General Merrick Garland issued an, a now infamous memo directing the FBI to help address an alleged disturbing spike in harassment intimidation, and threats of violence against teachers and school leaders. The memo remains in effect despite the NSBA having since apologized for and rescinded. They withdrew that letter. 
Well, according to some information that has come through and to a group, Parents Defending Education, that union letter, the NSBA letter, appears to be a response to a request for information by U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona. This gets deeper. On October 5th, board member of NSBA, Marnie Maldonado, sent an email to fellow board member Christy Sweat asking her whether the NSBA had gone through all the correct procedures before sending that letter to Biden. She said, I'm very concerned about the process by which the statement was made and the tone that essentially allowed the White House to direct the Attorney General to consider members of our community domestic terrorists. Maldonado wrote, adding that she wanted the NSBA to focus on civility. In response, Sweat said she agreed that there were communication issues within the NSBA. She also mentioned that Chip Slavin, who was then the director of the NSBA, told officers he was writing a letter to provide information to the White House from a request by Secretary Cardona. If the allegation is true, it would reveal the administration's pretextual war on parents came from the highest level. The highest level in this administration in education is Secretary of Education Cardona. Attorney General Garland unequivocally stated he based his memo on the NSBA's letter, which in turn mobilized the FBI and U.S. attorneys. If Secretary Cardona was truly involved in this ugly episode, it's a significant breach of public trust. He should be held accountable. It's just more stuff, folks. It's just more stuff. I know you're not surprised while you're sleeping, while you're watching Hallmark, which is what we watch at our house every night. You don't want to think about these negative things, but they're out there and they're real and they're changing our lives. Something we haven't discussed in a while. You've not heard much about it. It's not because it's not serious and it's not because it's get not getting more serious. Illegal immigration in our southern border. There's some eye-dropping news out this morning. That's up next after this. The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted thing? But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a busted machine again. Oh, yes, sir. That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the weather. Allegra. What is the weather outside? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that. The latest in sports. Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Paige died in 1982. How many did he get? Satchel Paige is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Paige. Oh. I don't know about that. 
Even local news and pop culture. Manita, what them boys up to across the street? They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Compare it to smart devices like your thermostat. Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize? The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young. Angela, play black jazz. Playing, uh, jazz. It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things. Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand. And it has an uh-huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar. Uh-huh. I said, I know I gave you a five. Uh-huh. Because I only had a five and a one only. Uh-huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh-huh. So, I mean, you tell me who's crazy. Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now. I gotta tell you, that's the funniest commercial I've ever heard. Amazon Echo. <laughs> or Alexa. Or Jennifer, whatever you call her. That special Alexa for people like me. You know, old folks. 65 and older. <laughs> we, we don't understand the, the uh, engineering electronic concept of having a no-name sitting over in the corner waiting for us to ask her questions. And she'll answer them even if you get her name wrong. <laughs> oh my gosh, if you don't laugh, folks, you're going to be mad. Well, there's more interesting news coming out regarding illegality, illegal immigrants at our southern border. Seems like cities throughout the U.S. have provided a little bit of money in taxpayer money for those illegal immigrants. $5.6 million. Now, remember, this is not necessarily coming from governments. In many cases, it is. City and county and states are contributing to this fund. It's for, specifically, illegal immigrants' legal defense. The right-leaning Immigration Reform Law Institute said yesterday that deportation defense programs utilize public funding in 50 jurisdictions, including 22 that partner with a left-leaning group known as the Vera Institute of Justice. After researching those 22 state and local governments, this institute estimated a taxpayer price tag of $5.6 million already set coming up and being spent now. Dale Wilcox, Executive Director, General Counsel of the group, said those programs are an insult to every law-abiding American citizen and legal resident. He added, Our laws clearly state non-citizens charged with civil offenses do not have a right to legal representation. Yet, we have radical anti-borders groups starting these programs and sticking unknowing citizens with the bill. The Vera Institute of Justice said that providing legal representation to immigrants is widely supported and in line with our most fundamental shared American values. Not the law, though. 
Forget about the law. American values. Well, what are those American values? Well, it's whatever they say, the very Institute of Justice, right? It continued. Nobody should appear in immigration court without a lawyer, especially when the consequences include possible deportation and, God forbid, separation from one's family and community. It's the government's responsibility to protect the fundamental rights, the health, and the security of everyone in our communities, including immigrants who are targeted by our expanding federal enforcement system. Folks, that's the whole problem. There's two, only two in this entire thing we're talking about here. Number one, if you don't want to have to get an attorney, don't break the freaking law. There are ways to come to the United States and do it legally, and you don't have to hire an attorney to do it. Apply. Apply for immigration consideration for coming here legally. And there are all kinds of different ways that you can from every country on earth. Do it. Yeah, it takes a bit to get it done. But it's worth it to come live in the United States of America and to be here legally. So if you don't want to have these legal bills, don't come. That's number one. Number two, the idiocy, idiocy of this guy that's saying immigrants are having problems that are unanticipated because they're being targeted by our expanding federal enforcement system. What federal enforcement system? What do we, I can tell you, we can make it a lot cheaper by if we just do this. If we're going to let everybody in, just hire a bunch of people like me, 65-year-olders. We've, we've, we've become experts at Walmart. Thank you all for coming today. Come on in. Just hire a bunch of 65ers on Social Security to go down to the border crossings and do that. It'll be a whole lot cheaper than funding these massive billions of dollars of border security when the Biden administration doesn't use them, right? Kevin McCarthy, minority leader in the House of Representatives. Yesterday, he said the dirty little secret that Joe Biden is keeping from us all with regard to the southern border crisis is that known terrorists, many known terrorists are among those illegally crossing. Here's what he said, quote, The dirty little secret here, the part that scares me the most, is a number of our members went down to the border when we went down very early once the administration changed this behavior in the policies. When I was there, I was speaking to a border agent in El Paso. He told me they're seeing more drugs than they've ever seen. They're catching people on the terrorist watch list. It's not just people from Central America. 160 different countries from all around the world. They've been catching people from Yemen who are on the terrorist watch list. Why would they be coming to America and coming to America through the southern border and coming through Mexico? What do they have planned once they get here? The fear I have now, McCarthy said, with what has happened in Afghanistan is people know how to come here and they come from all countries. This is a real threat. He said when authorities caught the Yemenis on the terror watch list, they came on different days, a sign that this is not an isolated incident. He also said Biden refuses to publicly release information regarding the number of people caught who are on that watch list. Can you believe that's happening? 
I can't believe any president would do it. I mean, his oath of office, he promised, he swore an oath to protect and defend the people of the United States while he is now letting these known terrorists who hate us and all we stand for, if they're on the known terrorist watch list, that means they've done some dirty stuff somewhere else or previously that they got caught doing, got arrested for, probably prosecuted for, and they're looking for an opportunity to make a better life for themselves. Where better to go than to work your skills, what they're really good at, where you can make more money doing it. How about that? Try the southern border of the United States. The interesting parts is President Biden has been in elected office for more than 40 years. And the closest he ever came to the border is driving by it in El Paso one time, McCarthy said. Why wouldn't he go visit it and know firsthand? It's a responsibility and a problem he created with his own problem. I'm going to stop there. We're going to stop quoting the minority leader. Uh, Let me just ask you some questions. Now, we're talking about the guy that holds the highest office, not just in the U.S., but in the world. Anybody that's president of the U.S. fits that role. Why would he purposely, with impunity, turn his back on the rule of law that he swore he would uphold? And this is happening totally from him, folks. Totally from him. Now, he may be getting, and I know that he is, a lot of input from other leftists that want the open borders to enhance and grow and build a Democrat party that will control politics in the United States permanently because they'll have all these people eventually given the right to vote. That's known. That's not a conspiracy thought, folks. We are. We know that's a fact with which what's happening. Give me another reason, the, a logical reason, Anything you can surmise. And you know you can call here. you got 15 minutes left. 1-866-378-7884. 1-866-378-7884. If you think this is a good thing that's happening and you have an explanation for winking at the terrorists, known terrorists being waved in across the border, call and give me that. We'll, pa- we'll let you put it on the air live. We'll pass it out. To those that are listening, and we have a huge audience today. By the way, thank you. Um, he doesn't care. He's never gone to the border. He doesn't know what he's dealing with. And you know why? And what happens from that? He's not dealing with it. He's handed it over to people he's been told to hand it over to, like Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, who is a total open borders guy who brags about the fact that he's facilitating Joe Biden's lawlessness, just scratching through and erasing all the immigration laws passed duly, and the only place where we can get immigration laws or any other law for the nation is in the United States Congress, where Joe Biden for 40 years served in the Senate. And he made and crafted some of these immigration laws that he's now saying don't enforce them. And the price for all of that, Americans are paying it with their lives. Texas alone, we bring it up all the time. That's the only state that has released these numbers to us. 600,000 Texans over a two-year period were the subject of 
criminal felony offenses at the hands of illegal immigrants that came into the United States. 600,000. Imagine what the number is nationwide. We hear the stories all the time. People are raped. People are killed. People are kidnapped. We have drug and the drug thing. That's just a whole story of its own. More people dying from illegal drugs that come across that southern border in the United States than ever before in history. Fentanyl. Fentanyl. It was used with me yesterday as part of being put to sleep for a medical procedure. It works good when it when it's utilized in the proper way, but when it's utilized to be put into to enhance the senses and feelings you get from other illegal drugs, more fentanyl alone was caught at our southern border last month. Most of it in one catch. More caught in one month than ever before, and the number, the volume of what they caught was sufficient to kill every United States American in one month. And that's at Joe Biden's feet. I'm telling you, that's at his feet. So what does he do in the meantime? He goes to Georgia. He gives a massive speech. He lies through his teeth. He talks about voter laws or voter suppression. He doesn't ever, none of them ever on a national platform will come up and take a specific law that they're opposed to. Give me the law, Mr. President. Tell me what is voter suppression in this. African-American people on the streets know he's an idiot about this. When they're talked to by anybody, they'll, they'll say, I don't know anybody that doesn't have an ID. You can't do anything in the United States if you don't have a voter ID. We all know that. So what's the big deal about it? It's pandering. It's pandering to a far-left political class, bureaucratic class in America that they want the election process turned upside down so that they can push anybody up to the polls and get them to vote. And, of course, they have them all brainwashed. Here's who you need to vote for. And here's who you need to make sure you don't vote for. And, by the way, If you're here illegally, we'll get you a mail-in ballot. We'll get it sent here. Call us when you get it. We'll come help you fill it out. Well, I'm not a citizen yet. Well, we can fix that. We can take care of that. We know in one state alone, Arizona, the few things that we've been allowed to glean from their massive election audit of the 2020 election, there were tens of thousands of people that weren't registered to vote that voted in that election. There's no voter fraud, Dan. You can't say that. It's documented. Mainstream media, they don't give a rip about it. They don't want the American people in large to know that it's going on, so they don't report on it. You can get it yourself. What do we tell you here all the time? Here's something. Want some more information? Do some research. Do some research. One place you can go, feel free to go every day, is truthnewsnet.org. We don't write at all. We have a bundle of contributing columnists that come in here and bring us some of the most brilliant information I can imagine, and it's all factually based. What's interesting is when you see stats or allegations made in any of these guest-written stories, they're in a hyperlink so that you can click on the hyperlink and go get the facts that are behind the, the uh, observations that are being made in writing. That's called journalism. That's called fact-finding. 
very much void in the United States today in media. It's not going to get better during this presidential administration. I'm just telling you, he's formed, Biden has formed a new domestic terrorist unit to help combat what the Washington Post reported as a threat that has intensified dramatically in recent years. And it's the school board members. Yeah, right. Well, parents attending school board meetings can relax as the national security official was referring to those accused of planning or committing crimes in the name of domestic political goals. Now, who might that apply to? I can think of a few. Black Lives Matter, Antifa. So Matthew Olson, the head of the Justice Department's National Security Division, said this, The new domestic terrorist unit yesterday in his opening remarks before the Senate Judiciary Committee said the number of FBI investigations of suspected domestic violent extremists is more than doubled since the spring of 2020. He also said the new unit would augment our existing approach to counter domestic and international terrorism. He said, I decided to establish a domestic terrorism unit to augment what we're doing now. This group of dedicated attorneys will focus on the domestic terrorism threat, helping to ensure that these cases are handled properly and effectively coordinated across the DOJ and the country. As for what he has in mind, we've seen a growing threat from those who are motivated by racial animus, as well as those who ascribe to extremist anti-government and anti-authority ideologies. Olson's testimony comes just a few days after the anniversary of the January 6th riot at the Capitol, and some lawmakers view as evidence the FBI was not taking sufficiently seriously the threat posed by domestic extremists and violence-prone members of far-right groups at that event. Now, why weren't they given the heads up? Who made those decisions to not follow through on the phone calls from the National Guard or the phone calls from the FBI that happened weeks in advance of that? They had hard evidence that there was going to be a riot, a politically inspired by some of these domestic terrorists riot. None of them, by the way, were armed at this particular thing. The only armed people that were there were Capitol Police, and obviously there weren't enough, and the National Guard wasn't there because whoever it was that pulled the trigger refused to pull the trigger and said, we don't need that help here. Leave us alone. We've got this. Who would that be? Only two people have that authority. The leader of the majority party in the Senate, and the House Speaker in the House of Representatives. That would be Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi. They're over all of the policing operations that happen at the U.S. Capitol, whoever's in those two positions. Homeland Security issued a memo Thursday, January 6th anniversary warning of an uptick in chatter on extremist online platforms, including threats against lawmakers. Having obtained the memo, the political news outlet, The Hill, reported that national security officials had no indication of a specific and credible plot. DHS and FBI have identified new content online 
that could inspire violence, particularly by lone offenders, and could be directed against political and other government officials, including members of Congress, state and local officials, and high-profile members of political parties. Doesn't this make you feel warm and fuzzy that they're looking out for us? They never give us the details. They never give us the facts. But they always leave this implication out there. If you don't listen to what we say, if you don't comply with what we tell you to do, if you post the things with which we disagree and we can possibly infer that you're falling into that category that we've now moved the boundaries back in defining what is domestic terrorism, if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself in the target of the FBI. That, my friends, that's not a conspiracy theory. It's happening right now. And that wraps up today's TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here. Boy, we've got, I can't tell you how much content we couldn't bring to you today. We'll grab the most important of that. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great day. And thank you for being at TNN.